Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Divorce Redefined, Changing the Experience of Divorce. I'm your host, Cindy Stibbard. And for those of you who are new to my podcast, welcome. I'm a certified divorce coach, certified divorce specialist, and trained relationship decision coach. I help individuals and couples navigate through whether or not they want to stay in their marriage or whether it's time to amicably divorce. And then I guide them down the path once they've ready, they're ready to make that decision. I am a single mother of two teenagers who went through my own divorce five years ago, and that's what launched me on this path that I'm on now in redefining who I am, my purpose, and my mission to changing the experience of divorce for others. I really believe that there is this huge gray space that needs to be filled between the process of contemplating divorce and actually jumping into it itself. And even when we're in the process, I think there are so many better decisions that can be made to mitigate the negative effects that that divorce can have on ourselves, our family, our children, and even our finances. But we don't know how to make better decisions because we just don't know what they are. So my goal and my purpose are to provide you with the information education, guidance, inspiration, and empowerment so that you can make the right decisions for you. My mission is to provide others with the kind of support that I truly wish I had when I was going through divorce myself. And we may not be able to change the system, but we can definitely change how we prepare and navigate and effectively utilize this system in a way that can lead to a better outcome on everyone in the event of divorce. Because no matter what side of the coin you're on, divorce is never easy, but it doesn't have to be ugly, and making it ugly is a choice. Today, I have a truly inspiring inspiring guest on with us today. Her name is Dr. Erica Harris. She is not only my friend, but a retired sports chiropractor and kinesiologist a TEDx keynote speaker, a social media influencer, a success coach, coach, and the host of the Rise Today International podcast. But what makes Erica's story truly remarkable is her incredible journey of survival and resilience. After being given a two-month terminal cancer prognosis, Erica fought back and underwent both a bone marrow transplant and a double lung transplant. And despite facing the challenges of recovery and even a divorce, Erica has emerged stronger and more determined than ever to help others rise to their own challenges. Now, as a successful coach, keynote speaker, and podcaster, Erica shares her inspiring story with us, a story of survival and triumph with all of you around the world, and she offers practical advice and a message of hope to those of you out there who are also facing difficult times and adversity. So I am so excited to have Erica on the show. Welcome, Erica. 
Thank you, Cindy. Gosh, I'm so happy to be here with you. What an honor. Oh my gosh. I'm so honored that you're to come. I think we've tried to put this together a number of times in the past like year. <laughs> you're so right. Gosh, we've tried so many times. We're both so busy, but we're so good that we're both here now. So stars have aligned. <laughs> yes. Yes. Finally. Finally. Well, I really am so grateful for you to take the time to to speak to my audience and my listeners. And I always want to invite guests on who have their own divorce story and have been able to connect with everyone out there on their own level, because this is a big topic. And this is a big topic that holds a lot of things, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of fear, a lot of regret. And There are so many of us who go through it, and I think it's so important that we shed light on each other's stories so that we don't feel as alone. So so hard, isn't it? We can all feel so alone on this path and so isolated every day. And you know, you think you're over divorce, and then something else comes up with co-parenting, and so it's really important that you're here doing opening up this platform for conversation and for communication. I think it's really remarkable your efforts. Thank you. Thank you. And I think uh, that, you know, we all go get married having no plans that we're ever going to get divorced, of course, and then life has a different plan for us. So I want to dig into your story because I need my listeners to hear it because it is such an incredibly powerful one. And I often look at my own story and think, you know, it was because of my divorce situation and experience, which is what launched me into a whole world that I would never have had an opportunity to be part of today. And I see that happening with you, but let's go back and um, share with us where it all began. Sure. We were this happy family of four. We hurtled everywhere together as a strong unit. You know, we were really inseparable, um, really based in a lot of love, a lot of a very strong foundation, you know, Um, living life to the fullest, skiing down every mountain, hiking up every mountain, taking advantage of all that life had to offer. Um, I had served, as you said, as a a sports chiropractor, advocating for others to reach their peak in health, in sport, at work, and at play. Um, I practiced what I preached by every measure myself. You know, I ate um, the top of the line organic foods. I was very conscious of how I fueled myself. I was fit, you know, um, very aware of my health and fitness. And never in a million years did I expect facing a cancer diagnosis at the young age of 35. I had still been nursing my youngest son at the time. I just did not see this coming, Cindy. I was completely Mm -hmm. blindsided. We had had plans, just like any family has plans, right, for kindergarten was soon starting um, in this. We were in the spring and kindergarten. We were gearing it up for fall ahead and... um, Um, We planned on going to Kelowna, the interior of British Columbia, for a month-long holiday. You know, we were gearing up for my oldest, his fifth birthday party. I was still nursing my youngest son, right? Like, we are busy being caregivers for other people. I hadn't even complained of feeling sick or unwell. We were truly climbing that ladder of life, right? And we were living the dream. We had this huge, gorgeous home at the end of the family cul-de-sac. You know, our home was filled with 
family, friends, great food and great music. And um, I just didn't see it coming. I was literally in the aquarium, Vancouver Aquarium, out on a date day with my kids when I got the call that changed it all. And after doing a routine lab, I was um, had a call just minutes after Cindy saying I needed to go to the nearest emergency room and avoid all public places. And I had been diagnosed with what proved to be a very aggressive version of leukemia. And the carpet had been literally pulled out from under us. And the world that I knew then really disappeared in the matter of seconds and much of it never to return again. Cancer really does come to steal so much from us, you know, Mm -hmm. and we faced so much along our path. Um, Despite, um, you know, all these best chance prognoses. Originally, I had an 80% chance of success with the first round of chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. Um, Devastatingly, I did not respond to that. Uh, And devastatingly, again, I did not respond to salvage chemotherapy. Um, This was um, 24-7. I was a fully admitted patient at the hospital for these rounds. Um, There were no more treatment measures available to us at that point. So less than two months after I had even been diagnosed, Again, not even having complained to feeling sick or unwell, I was then told of my terminal prognosis. There was no more hope. There was nothing else to offer. Um, um, And how long was that period of time? But less than two months. Less than two months. So just imagine like having to digest all this so fast, you know. And it was just this emotional roller coaster, this incredible whirlwind, and we just had to adapt. Like you take a young mom out of the house at that point, and there's so many people that you need to fill in the gaps, right? Oh, big just, time. Yeah. We just didn't see this coming. And um, I fought to go home. If I had two months to live, I had a lot of living to do with my young family, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I went home. Um, we had first, our first stop was to pursue a second opinion um, uh, in Seattle at Fred Hutch, a leading leukemia institute. All my eggs are in that basket, you know, and then devastatingly, they gave us the same prognosis. Um, So we really went home and and Cindy, I prepared for the worst, you know, I made all those Mm. heartfelt recordings and albums for my kids because I knew they were too little to remember how much I loved everything about them, you know. And so if they were awake, I was by their side the whole time. And if they were sleeping, I was preparing these memory books. And, you know, we were constantly together. It was summertime as a family of four in our backyard, just really cherishing the moments. Mm -hmm. And um, as well as preparing for the worst, I expected the best. And I pursued any and everything in the natural healthcare realm and miraculously attained remission. This complete spontaneous remission, it's called in the medical world when it hasn't been assisted through chemotherapy measures or other treatments. Wow. Um, And um, I don't know, you know, did I survive all of that because of um, green juicing and waving magic crystals or um, because of this fierce um, force of love that I had just been enveloped in, not just by my own tight family of four, like we were really were so incredibly strong. So how did this, you know, just, just to stop for a second, yes. everything you're saying is like, oh my God, so powerful. I just feel like there's this like avalanche of news that you're experiencing. And then I don't have time. Let's do whatever I can naturally to make this work. How was this, 
impacting your your marriage. But there's like no time to breathe in that moment, right? How was that literally yes. like the impact to, okay, what's this going to do on your relationship? And what was the preparation like for this possible term, terminal situation? You know, it's a, it's a really good point to pause there because um, in retrospect, I see even mistakes I did at that point, right? Mm. But as a young mom, in terms of my marriage, but as a young mom, I had two babies. You know, my only focus was ensuring that, you know, everyone would be cared for afterwards if this happened in terms of preparing for the worst, yeah. right? And recording these heartfelt memory recordings for them, for their birthdays, for graduation, you know, for all these events that were going to be coming. Yeah. Like, I'm mind. running out of time. I'm running out of time. Yes, I've got to get these yes, done. Totally. Yeah. But at the same time, a lot of people say, oh my gosh, you're just so positive. They don't know that I really owned that. Right. And I yeah. own the fact that this could be really real because if we don't, when my kids would have been 20, if that eventual prognosis had come to fruition, they would have been like, what? My mom didn't even write a letter. Right? right. And so for me, it was really important to get all of this done as optimistic as I was for the future. I really respected the fact that this fire breathing of dragon of cancer had rolled yeah. in out of nowhere, you know, and really had this power over us, you know, and I was yeah. trying to do everything in my power, but really respecting the potential. Anyhow, I did see in that time for preparing for my children, to answer your question, I, I didn't prepare, um, so much for things for my husband mm -hmm. because I assumed, you know, he would remember. Right. right? Yeah. And we had had all of our moments together and, um, and I knew that he could hold on to those if yeah. that makes sense, but my babies were babies. Mm -hmm. And as a mom, Cindy, in retrospect, I don't know, even now, if I could have made a different decision with such a short amount of time, you know, mm -hmm. in that, um, and also wanting to experience life and moments and the ways we were able by enjoying the sun in our backyard and playing little games when I was up, yeah. for it, you know, your energy and your time is so limited. Right. Yeah. And, and it's almost too. like we put the onus on them too. It's like, you're going to lose me too, but so record this, but I need to go and focus on this right now because these are the ones that are going to forget me, yes. you know? So I needed, you almost need someone who's, you know, as an adult with you to also take some onus of this process because you're dealing with you, you're dealing with creating a legacy of memories for your children. It's, it's sometimes I completely understand. It's hard to to think about that, oh yeah, maybe my spouse needed me to pour into to them a little bit during this no, too. There's no roadmap. Yeah. Right? No. And you can only do what came instinctively. And I own 100% my role in, in this path. And I focused 100% on my babies in this time. And I was literally trying to find somebody. I know this sounds crazy to connect with my husband, to marry my husband, somebody who was single. Wow. Because really? you want you want your family to be okay. I wanted my husband to be okay. I wanted my children to be okay and cared for and loved, you know, mm -hmm. and I was so focused on how their future was going to unfold. I had to picture, you know, my family celebrating Christmases and holidays without me. And as brutal as that was going through that process, it also elevated my fight on the other mm -hmm. side in terms of my own responsibility and what I could take accountability for. Yeah. Anyhow, time was precious. And um, looking back on it, that was definitely something that I should have and could have focused on more. Right. But of course, like you're, you only have that small amount of time and now you're doing everything you can. And here you are 
all of a sudden beating it. So the fear, the fear of that was that dissipating because now, oh, wow, you're going into this kind of remissive stage. Your body's actually like fighting it in a way. So tell us then what happened there because now you're thinking, okay, that's over. And now all of a sudden it's not. Yeah, sure. So um, we had been fighting in the hospital and literally I gave it everything I had in the hospital, still left with that two month terminal prognosis. And then literally there's, um, we took accountability for everything we could. I decided to fuel myself, my mind, my body, my soul in every way that would maximize the gift of today, my energy, my um, everything I could take in and give out and receive, right? And so whatever would maximize that gift of today was my focus. And um, I think by doing that, taking my mind off cancer, taking my mind off dying, to be honest, Mm -hmm. and putting it into living, right? And experiencing these moments with the four of us, with my family. It was just, it was the most beautiful time, I have to say. Yeah. and, and I think through focusing on life and through focusing on living and, you know, whether it's a gift from above, whether it's this fierce force of love, whether it's waving the magic crystals, I don't know, but I was going in for, um, every day I wasn't receiving treatment, but I would have to go in for blood transfusions just to stay alive for that day. So they would do blood counts. And one day they came back with, 0.1 neutrophils, you know, and neutrophils are a line of white blood cells. And I hadn't been expected to get any neutrophils. I had been sitting at zero for a long time. And I was like, oh, well, that's a good sign. And instantly right. someone was like, one of my physicians was like, oh no, don't get excited. You know, it's, your prognosis is going to come true. Um, and it just might take a week longer or so. And I was so devastated. It's so the mm. up and down, right? Um, and then a few weeks later, I had 0.3 neutrophils and I just really asked if I could have another bone marrow biopsy just to see what was happening Mm -hmm. and nobody expected it. I had attained full remission already by this point, only after being in remission was I then eligible to have um, a bone marrow transplant, uh, which serves as like a quote unquote um, cure, right? To prevent Mm -hmm. against relapse from such an aggressive leukemia. And so in turn of, in, in turn of, um, um, giving everything my all and leaving no stone unturned, I of course wanted to pursue this for my longest term chance. Sorry. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I had this bone marrow transplant with thanks to this amazing donor who rose to help from halfway around the world. Complications happened on the other side, a few rounds of septic shock, but I grew strong and it was back to hiking every mountain and soaring down them on my skis and living life to the fullest again. But on my hikes, I started to literally run out of air. Right. And, um, um, I started to mention it to my physicians and, you know, at first they just, somewhat dismissed it thinking I was so active after a transplant. And to be honest, Cindy, I was so grateful. I just didn't even care yeah. if I could yeah. the mountains, you know, I started just to walk the seawall, but then I started to lose my breath on the seawall as well. And slowly they realized that my new hearty immune system had woken up, looked around, decided it didn't recognize my own lungs and embarked on this fierce process of attack through rejection. Oh, wow. Um, I declined so much that I required a double lung transplant for my survival. I faced um, more complications along the way, but eventually was gifted this gift of gifts of new lungs. And believe it or not, just yesterday, believe it or not, the amazing family that shared this incredible gift amidst their hardest of hardest of times 
just reached out to me by phone for the Aww. first time. And I just got to learn. Because how long ago this. was that? Like, yeah, 2015, Cindy. Wow. And so this was just yesterday. I literally, you know, when you come home and you're, you've got a million things in your hands and you're just not expecting anything at that time. And my kids were just in the middle of coming in and I needed to make dinner. It's go, go, go before getting out to activities. And gosh, yeah. I just get this call that just stopped it all, you know, and it was just Aww. such a treat. So anyhow, I can tell you more about that on another day. I love that. But in terms of like the timeline, so here I'm just trying to piece together in terms of, so you had this prognosis in two months, like literally had 60 days to live, hence is why you name name your your, uh, podcast or your your website. But from there, when you notice your remission and then getting back on the trails again, like what's the timeline of all this happening to then your lungs having to be replace like this is so huge in such a short amount of time yeah so it's interesting I always say you know what the calendar was really hard for me at first Mm. right and so I would really focus on these days so my terminal prognosis was given to me on July 30th 2012 um worst day obviously sounds came out of me that I just never before even knew existed I just had so much still to do you know Mm -hmm. so much love to give so much so much to do And, um, then fast forward three years later, July 31st was the day I got the call saying July 31st, 2012 was the day that I got the call saying new lungs were waiting. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was like a fast and furious Mm -hmm. three-year process. And then I faced a few more complications, um, after my lung transplant and at about the spring of 2017, I finally grew strong and, um, I had basically spent the year before that in the hospital fighting complications that came in tow with my new lungs. It's, you know, a tough go in the beginning mm-hmm. of any transplant. Um, I would fight to get out of the hospital every day to pick up my babies from school. I would make a family meal. I would get groceries and take them to activities. And then I would race back to the hospital. And so oh we were God. really living a double life. And I knew, you know, I knew it was really hard on my marriage Mm -hmm. because there's so much to do to make sure that your kids, you know, thrive despite all of this. And that we like that's one thing that I see about you all the time. And since the beginning, when we even met in music class, when both of our kids (laughs) were like super tiny, like you were, you poured into them and that was like your duty driven, you know purpose was to make sure that they were always okay. And I've watched you do that through this entire time as well. And so I can imagine that like that was such a, such a pressure. And sometimes we, you know, we we don't put that into our relationship or sometimes they feel second. So tell us more about, you know, how that was going down for you during this time. Yes. It was so much because both Harley, um, or both my ex and I, I'm sorry, had, um, um, really been passionate uh, about um, keeping our kids focused on their own pursuits too, right? Mm. And we lived this double life. My kids would, my kids grew up in the hospital. They would come to me after school on other days that I couldn't get out and um, they would do their homework or they would be with me all Saturdays and we'd get out for little walks, but they really did have to grow up in the hospital. And so at times that we weren't there, 
um, we weren't, we ensured that they were in their programs, little soccer mm-hmm. activities for their own connections, their own communities, right? Maintaining mm-hmm. their friendships with little adventures, playdates, parties, right? Even that fifth birthday party that I had to miss because I had been diagnosed so early on, you know, I had planned out that party as a lot of us do for months for the big number five, you know, and yeah. um, my friends did take it over and I streamed in from from going live. Um, this was way back when in 2012, when this was <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. back in the day, anyhow. Um, but we just really made it work despite everything. We prioritized the kids. And when my kids were loved, I could fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. When they were loved, I could fight. And through others, loving my children along the way and my ex included, you know, I am here and I've been able to survive. And that is such a gift of gifts, but it does come with complications and, and for marriages because there's just not enough time. And I knew our marriage had been struggling right? It was so hard. Plus my mm-hmm. husband had almost watched me die time and time and time again. And, right. I can't you know, imagine what that pull, felt like. He would pull back emotionally, of course, just like anybody would. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, um, and there so many more supports are needed because in the healthcare system, gosh, my poor husband, um, you know, he pretty much had to serve as my caregiver, the, and, and he's a full-time, you know, professional, um, Um, and he had to step away from that for, for quite a bit of time because the medical world in today's society really relies on people at home for that caregiver role. And plus we really needed them at home for the kids. And eventually we got the ducks in a row and got a nanny and different pieces, but Mm -hmm. gosh, it's a lot to put together. It is so much to put together. And then having time for each other. Like when was that ever happening? Right. Of course. But here's the contrast, right? Cindy, because if if you have a child who is diagnosed with cancer or really with any health diagnosis, let's say at Children's Hospital, there are resources, not just for that child, but for the parents and for the children and for the family at large mm-hmm. to be really well supported on that journey. Whereas if you compare and contrast that to a young adult, a young parent, a young family who's facing a cancer diagnosis, for the parent, there aren't those supports in place for the children or for the spouse. And plus it's ridiculously costly to have all of these resources in place with family, friends, nannies, um, all of these extra resources that you need in place. And frankly, I really wanted somebody to just come and cheer on my kids at soccer, Mm -hmm. right? And be their loudest cheerleader that I desperately wanted to be there for. You need so many supports and so many resources, let alone somebody to cook a healthy meal. Um, There's so much that these young families need, let alone, um, you know, therapy and counseling sessions for my children to be Mm -hmm. able to express all of the hurt in their hearts. You know, they were so little, they didn't have the words for it. And how do I even explain cancer to my kids? You know, there was so much to discuss at their young years. And so for me, it was, um, I knew they wouldn't, they wouldn't understand that big word cancer. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, how much was you and were you and your husband communicating about that and that fear and what the, how that was impacting you at the time? You know, um, my husband was amazingly optimistic. I think he's a huge reason as to why I'm here today. He was by my side. And even through this journey, we started off so strong. It was just 
too much, mm-hmm. right? Um, and 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 there weren't the resources in place for him to have someone to talk to openly about it, you right. know. And you're you're almost on autopilot, Cindy. Yeah, to be honest, imagine. you're in survival mode. Yeah, and there is nobody that tells you when you're receiving your diagnosis. I was sitting side by side, <clears throat> excuse me, holding my husband's hand, right at my diagnosis, and. Um, there's nobody that sits and tells you, Hey, look, as a heads up, be proactive about your relationship. Mm-hmm. You're already so thinking of your survival, right? You're just in survival mode. Like I said, but somebody needs to really be proactive for these young families. Because if you look at the stats, young parents facing a cancer diagnosis have a 50% chance of di- of divorce. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And I also heard a stat, which you probably also know, but that, that, the onset of an illness for a wife increases the likelihood of divorce by even 6% more than that, than a healthy couple. So you're already getting into like this high divorce stat. Then if your, your wife, the, the mother gets sick, the chances of divorce are even greater. Yeah. So for, um, a married woman facing a cancer diagnosis, um, she does face a six times higher chance of divorce compared to a married man who faces a similar prognosis. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, and the, the stats, stats are not in your favor. And I had no clue. And I had no clue. I did not see us getting divorced. As difficult as it was, Cindy, I saw us healing our marriage once we were out of that survival mode, right? right? Once we had time to pursue and invest in us again. I just, I I never saw it and perhaps oblivious, right? As difficult as it was along the way, every step of the way, I just didn't see it coming as hard as it was, Mm -hmm. but somebody needs to be very proactive, right? Relationship Mm -hmm. coaches, somebody needs to be involved in terms of these supports that I was seeing these young families could use, because again, these children really do deserve a better chance. Yeah. At the family staying together. And when did you see that this was truly starting to break apart? So you, you were coming around, you were getting stronger and now you're, so it's 2017 by now. When did things start to really move forward? What happened for you? Did you get stable and healthy and then your marriage started to crumble? Walk us through that part. Great question. So I think it had probably been building in the background without me knowing it for a little while. Mm. Um, And um, it was about six weeks after I was finally discharged from hospital that, um, that everything came to a height. And um, soon after I was facing a move, um, I was barely back on my feet in terms of recovery. Wow, Um, My world was spinning as excited as I was to have finally been, you know, quote unquote healed you know, for the most part, gosh, facing a move and adapting to life as a single mom and really you call it redefining. And I've always said reinventing, you know, mm-hmm. like I really had to stand there and, 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 and brush off the dust, you know, and look around and say, okay, what's my next path? I couldn't return to work in terms of the profession that I always, always been trained in given my now very immunocompromised nature. It wasn't in my best benefit to be um, so close in such close proximity with, you know, 60 patients every day. And, um, and I would never also have that physical strength that I used yeah. to have as a sports chiropractor, right? And um, so I really had to reinvent myself. And 
the path that I'm now on really just unfolded, to be honest, from people reaching out from, you know, how did you navigate this? Or how did you navigate that? And I just felt so, so many times, despite being enveloped by forces of love, literally, I had 60 people, Cindy, come to see me every day in that hospital room. Wow. But I still felt so alone, Mm. unless I was connecting with those who really understood the hardships of the journey. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. In terms of my husband and I, he was always a hundred percent. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Right. And that optimism did really help. But some days I did need to be really real and just say, this is really hard. You know, this is really hard. And I didn't necessarily feel I had the safe space to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Because he really wanted it to be well too, right? And I want to protect everyone. There's so many layers that go into this um, cancer diagnosis and having such a poor prognosis, frankly, and having such young children along the way, every step of the way. And I'm so so incredibly lucky. I'm seriously the luckiest girl on the face of the planet. You know, I breathe through these new lungs. I have the bone marrow of this young mountaineering adventurer in Germany. Um, I have the closest relationship with my kids. I thrive despite all of these adversities. And I think it's a powerful message to share to people because, you know, when we all navigate those dark days, we can often, whether it's divorce, whether it's, you know, whatever we're navigating, we can lose sight of the light that will come. And I Mm -hmm. think we always just have to have hope that tomorrow will be a better day, but not that false hope, just saying it's naturally going to get better, right? Mm -hmm. We have to take accountability for our own circumstance and really become the hero in our own story to really affect that change on our own paths. And so redefining yourself, reinventing yourself, you know, and getting the supports you yourself need, like Cindy, you know, along the way, if you're facing divorce or navigating these hard days, and so that you can really navigate that best path ahead, but be proactive. Yeah. Or like you, if, if you're, you are in a family who is dealing with, with terminal illness or cancer, because it definitely takes such a massive toll. And I could, I almost, you know, when you're telling your story, you're, you're coming down off this, this chaos of, of recovery. And now you've been healthy for six weeks and now another twist. Did you even have time to breathe in between, you know, and how did you then navigate this massive upheaval of, of your life? Or did it just kind of like flow right into the next thing? You know, like you had almost no time to truly settle and recover and like reset your life before boom. Okay. Now I have to deal with divorce, which in itself is another (laughs) massive, huge transition. That's a very long experience and it can be very taxing. Yeah. And stress is one of probably the last things you needed at the time on your recovery. Yes. Yes. And I wish I had a coach like you, you know, (laughs) earlier on my path, because I think that would have facilitated things. I think the legal system is difficult. And sometimes you question, does this really serve the children, you know, Mm -hmm. and how does this best serve our family moving forward? And, um, Um, It was a really difficult journey for me. Losing that family unit of four was the biggest hardship of cancer. Um, It is such a loss, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's one that's really irreplaceable. I felt also, I think the biggest emotion 
that I had to deal with was kind of feeling gypped, you know, from, from not, I knew it was hard. I did. I knew it was hard and I'm not pretending otherwise for many valid reasons on our marriage, but I felt gypped because we never had the chance Mm. to try to fix it on the other side. You know, it was all just in the blink of an eye so fast. And like you say, like, don't even have a chance to breathe. You know, I felt like our kids deserved that chance. Right. Because there's been so much chaos. And then now, okay, another chapter of chaos. Here we go. Yes. Just for us to really reconnect, Mm -hmm. you know, on a deeper level again, and really get to know each other because you also both change. We go through the same journey, Cindy, right? Our family was really strong. We went through the same journey, but it's two very different journeys and it's a very steep learning curve. And you both take very different lessons from the end of that journey. Right. And, um, and you both change in your own ways. Mm -hmm. And so that's really important to have, you know, this idea of somebody being very proactive on your path in terms of these supports in place at the time of diagnosis saying, Hey, let's be proactive. We're going to do some counseling, some relationship coaching along the way. We're here to support you so that you can talk about those differences in those Mm -hmm. paths as you're navigating that. Yeah. Right. And so that, so that it's not ending up. So polar opposites, but you're really unified with all the silver linings and the lessons that come in tow with such, um, such huge feats that we had to navigate. Mm, if that huge. Makes sense. Oh my gosh. Makes so much sense because you're so drowned by just, just that survival mode, like you're saying, and organizing everything and getting, getting forward. Now you have a book that's called the silver lining of cancer. And I, when I think about that, I think about that, well, that one quote that you hear all the time, you know, that life doesn't happen to us, it happens for us. So is this a perspective that you believe? And tell us why you wrote that the book with that title, because that is huge. And I think a lot of people in cancer are like, I don't see a silver lining. This didn't happen for me. This happened to me. And I don't know how to get past it. Yeah. So, and it is hard at first. I'm, I'm a big believer in owning, being really real you know, about Mm -hmm. the hardships that come into and not masking it. And at first, it's a really great question, Cindy, because at first I was very almost like fake positive, you know, oh, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. Come watch me on my exercise bike. You know, what can I get from my water fountain? (laughs) You want ice or no ice, you know, like, and it's just, it's just, it's just ridiculous almost because you're expected to just adapt so quickly and not feel any of it. Right. And then when I started to really feel it, I was actually triggered because we had to hire this nanny and, um, to help drive my kids to all these activities. We still wanted them to partake in right for their own pursuits and their own benefits. Anyhow, we had to hire this nanny and this nanny had brought in my kids one day in the early years of 2012. And all of a sudden she's sitting in the corner of my room and she was so surreal you know, like the whole, the whole experience of her being there, she was a complete stranger to mm-hmm. me. And then having access to our family's most vulnerable and most intimate of moments, you know, yeah. and I watched her from a penthouse view above. She left the hospital below with my babies, loaded my babies into my vehicle. And all of a sudden my mind raced Cindy. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, is she going to buckle their seatbelts? <laughs> is yeah. she going to feed on our way home? Is she going to, oh, I'd be the same, check, you know? Yes. Yeah. Because you want to 
be taking care of your babies. You know, I wanted to be going home and putting my kids to bed and making a healthy dinner for them. Right. And yet I had to watch my vehicle drive away. Right. With my most precious of cargo in Mm -hmm. that vehicle. And my heart literally drove away that day with my vehicle, as far as my eyes could see. And I turned away from that window that day. And I just turned around and I wept and I wept and I wept and I wept and I didn't stop crying for days, to be Mm -hmm. honest. Mm -hmm. And I had finally allowed myself the space to be really real about how hard it really was. I had Mm -hmm. to miss this fifth birthday party. We had to miss this month long trip to the lake. We had, I didn't get to go to this kindergarten orientation, you know, all of these things. I had to brutally stop nursing my youngest. I hadn't even been ready. You know, all of these Mm -hmm. things that I had to own how brutal it was. They were just ripped away so quickly. Mm -hmm. So I very much advocate for people to be really real on this path. So I am very positive if you want to call it. And I very much believe in positive psychology and focusing because it is a choice what mm-hmm. we choose to focus on, right? And I am a firm believer that what we focus on, we give meaning to, right? Mm-hmm. And what we give meaning to becomes us, yes. right? Um, and so um, it's all perspective. And I assure you, when you are told you have two months to live, there is nothing harder than that in the world. Oh my and God. So everything is a silver lining. <laughs> After yeah. that, every single day is a silver lining, right? And before Cindy, there are so many silver linings that come with cancer because before I lived on autopilot, I was very successful in my professional practice. I owned a thriving multidisciplinary health center, right? Yeah. And I was always so go, 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 you know, never focused on the value of the moments, mm-hmm. always just looking towards the next one. What was coming next? What did I need to check off my next bucket list? If that makes sense. Yeah. And probably the biggest gift of cancer for me, the biggest silver lining was finding this calm in my heart that I'd never otherwise had before. There's so many awakenings per se that it's brought to me, you know, realizing the value of my time, who I choose to spend that time with, what fuels me, what doesn't, you know, very cognizant of so many things that make me live this incredibly richer and brighter life each and every day, despite all the obvious hardships. I'll never Mm. say to you, oh my gosh, none of it was hard. And I'm just so happy, but the hardships and the harder we fall makes us bounce back even higher. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's massively, massively powerful, you know, and for you to be able to go through all of this and still come out and have made a whole life and massive career and a movement out of this is so impactful. Like, Do you feel that, I mean, cancer was obviously the reason that you're doing what you're doing, your divorce, how, what was the silver lining there? Was there, if there was any for you? The silver lining of divorce, you know, still, I will say still hard to lose that family unit, but at the same time, with all of these new lessons that I've learned and with all of these awakenings, I can create the environment that I want in my home, right? Mm -hmm. And live the adventures that I want to live and live very much in the present moment. Um, And that has been a gift. And just all of these new awakenings that have come into, even with divorce about Mm -hmm. myself, right? You learn so much about yourself on this path and what you're seeking for moving forward. And 
That's what have you learned most about yourself? Do you think through this? Yeah. You know, that, um, what is the one thing that I've learned most about myself? Great question. Uh, Sorry, I didn't prepare you ahead of time for this one. (laughs) No, no, it, it is a really good question, right? Um, I've learned most about how far I can dig inwards, you know, and really pull out that strength when it's needed. I am here to serve. I really feel as though I was picked out of this whole community of, you know, this whole worldwide group to go through this crazy tumultuous tidal wave to be pummeled around and around and around and around to get to come out of it on this side of it and to get to serve in the capacity that I'm now in. And it's as much as I love my life as a sports chiropractor, I love, I love inspiring people in the way that I do now to live each day to the fullest. You know, it really is a gift. And just to remind everyone today really is the most powerful gift. It really, really is. And you see that all the time. And for you to be able to have been so close to, to death, you know, and, and now you are here where you are. Are you, are you healthy? What is your journey like right now? Thanks for asking. You can't go through all of that and be unscathed, right? And there's, um, my survival is a constant, um, feat that I am always facing challenges, right? Um, but at the same time, I am incredibly proactive in um, my own health and wellness in how I fuel myself. I take charge in my own health and wellness. I work as a team, you know, with my mm-hmm. medical professionals very closely. And, um, um, and I do, I take accountability. I am here to live. And so that has its place right? When I need to go for rechecks, when I need to be at the hospital, it has its place. I kind of call it my full-time job from time to time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then when I leave there, our rule is like, I leave there, no strings attached, you know, and mm. I'm out to live life to the fullest. I take the appropriate precautions as needed. Um, but I didn't fight all of that to hide away. You know, I live mm-hmm. this rich life and I'm here to do so. Yeah, that's huge. And do you have a good prognosis moving forward? Or is this something that obviously you're going to have to keep tabs on for the rest of your life? Yeah. So I've been in remission for um, 11, 10 and a half years now, oh which gosh. is incredible. From 60 um, days to 10 and a half right? years. Holy yes. crap, Erica. Yes. I think I'm almost at 3,900 bonus days, I call it, and um, 10 and a half years, right? Who would have thought? So for me, I'm always very present. You know, none of us know what tomorrow has in store. I want to live till I'm 120 years old, and I expect that I will. But, um, (laughs) you know, I'm also very real about the challenges that I face. And hence, I live to maximize today, every day. I think it's, I think we all should. That's amazing. And so those of you out there listening who have been through an experience like a terminal illness or divorce or dealing with a family member, a loved one who has cancer, Erica really specializes in helping people through these challenging times. But tell us more about what it is that you help people with and where they can find you. Uh, Sure. So I help people navigate through hard days. In particular, it's cancer patients that reach out to me. Um, That said, it's a lot of people who just want to live a richer life and want to find the tools to do so. So we go through an eight-week coaching program and um, just give them everyday tools, right, to change their perspective or to help see through a different lens, right? Um, 
really actionable, tangible changes. People can find me at risetoday.com. Um, uh, my social media links are mostly at Dr. Erica Harris on Facebook, YouTube, and um, LinkedIn. And then it's 60 Days to Live, as you mentioned, 2012 on Instagram. Yeah, it's huge. And what you're doing is so powerful for others. And it's amazing how, how the universe gives us these big lessons to teach us what we're put on this earth to do. You know, and I also feel like through my divorce, I wouldn't have found that this is my purpose too. Here is is where I'm supposed to serve people. And as hard as it is, it was such a, a such a calling, you know, to be able to say, okay, here, I know you've had to go through all of this and it took this this long for you to find it, but here is why you're here. And it's almost this crazy sense of of empowerment and peace that comes along with finding your purpose and having to go, having gone through something that, you know, because of that, you can help people in their journey, have a better experience. Yes. Find meaning in the mess, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that our mess comes because it's our fault, right? It wasn't my fault. I got cancer. It wasn't someone's fault, but we can all find meaning. And we can all take accountability for what we can. You know, there's a really great quote um, that I think would be important to end off with. You can't heal in the same environment that made you sick. Mm, Right? And so even though cancer wasn't necessarily my fault, I had lived this life passionate about health and wellness. I had to take accountability for what was in my environment, right? Internally and externally. What relationships were fueling me? What food was fueling me? What going through my mind? Like radio, news, TV, right? I really had to become the human filter of what of what all was coming inwards. And um, I think that's really important to take accountability, no matter where you are today, facing divorce, again, like you said at the beginning, no matter whose choice it was, no matter whose fault it is or not fault, but you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Take that accountability, you know, in your own steps for your own happiness, right? Yes. Oh my gosh, Erica, you are a true, true inspiration. Thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your story with our audience. And I couldn't be for for more grateful for you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. I'm so grateful for you and our friendship. Thanks everyone. Thanks for being here. And um, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week. All of us know that it is next to impossible to make rational, logical, and even smart decisions from a place of fear. Most times, if we are in a place of fear and uncertainty, we won't make a decision at all. Cindy supports many individuals and couples at this stage who have been unhappy and unfulfilled, who are either currently in the process of divorce or just only contemplating the idea of separation. Cindy's clients are wise and brave enough to realize that they need to know more before they are able to make such a big life decision. Working with a divorce coach at these stages is the smartest investment you could make for yourself and your family, and it will almost always set you up for a better outcome, whether you choose the path of divorce or not. There have been many individuals and couples who have decided to give their marriage another shot after working with Cindy. 
As a divorce coach, certified divorce specialist, and qualified discernment counselor, Cindy is an advocate of healthy relationships, whether a couple chooses to separate or try to stay together. She provides new insights, education, guidance, emotional support, and understanding of the many possible options for both individuals and couples who are on the brink of separation. At the end of the day, as Maya Angelou once said, when we know better, we do better. This is exactly the focus and purpose of working with Cindy. Are you considering separation or currently in the process of divorce and feeling overwhelmed, afraid and confused about what this means for your future and that of your children? Do you want to make the right decision without regrets? Why keep waiting? Book a free confidential discovery call with Cindy today. Text DIVORCE to 604-200-6446 or email info at divorceredefined.ca.